Y'all doing great this morning? So, I love doing baptism. It's one of my favorite parts of what we get to do here. Um, so we just know it's just a symbol of what's already happened on the inside. Um, but it's a great opportunity to um, just glorify God with our um, salvation experience. All right, first up is going to be uh, Mr. Colton. Mr. Colton Boone. He's a little guy, as you can see. Um, so that's why I have my backup, uh, Jay, here to help me. I'll call you go ahead and sit down if you want to. Um, so Colton has been saved and baptized before, but um, through a lot of conversations him and I have had, he... Um, Thought he got a little off track with Christ and um, wanted to get back on track. So as a symbol of his recommitment to Christ, um, we are giving him um, baptism today. So Colton, I asked everyone I baptized two questions. Are you ready? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you want to follow him with all the rest of your life? Yes. All right, Jay, I'm going to need your help with this. <laughs> so I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the grace and meaning of life. Here we are. Special occasion, uh, my first time allowing a, da a dad to baptize their kid because I believe the dad is the priest of his own home. Um, so this is amazing that um, got, he got to lead his son to Christ. Kelton, are you ready, buddy? All right, I'm going to ask you my same two questions. You ready? Are you sure? All right. Do you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yes. Are you ready to follow him with all your life? Yes. All right, your dad's going to baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bubble stop. <laughs> <laughs> and raise the new life. We pray and then we'll get about the worshiping the rest of our service. Uh, Dear Father God, thank you for this amazing time and the symbol of baptism we get to do just to worship you, Lord. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. We have a dad baptize his son. This uh, new life and rededication we got to do today, Lord. Um, it's an amazing, just this outward symbol of the inward change that's happened in our life that you've cleaned us on the inside, so we want to show that we're clean um, visibly to our church and be confirmed in front of them, Lord. And thank you for this time. Let us be ready to worship you. So in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. It's good to see you. I uh, appreciate uh, those of you that came in support and encouragement of our baptismal candidates i know it's uh it's a special day for them and it means a lot that you're here to share that day with them a uh, couple things first of all uh I, we found a set of keys outside and so uh, if they're yours i'm gonna have them on the front pew you can claim them uh if if you're if you don't claim them we'll know they're yours because we'll, you'll be the only one walking home 
okay? Uh, but we'll lay them on the front pew. Uh, I hope you picked up a bulletin on the way in. All the announcements there are extremely important. Uh, just a couple I want to call your attention to. One is the VBS volunteer meeting that will be held this afternoon at uh, 4.30 here in the sanctuary. So if you're a VBS worker or a VBS volunteer, and uh, we need your help to, to be here tonight, we're going to be m- making sure you know how to get a hold of all the materials and uh, our plan for the whole uh, week that week, get you on board with what's going on. So we'll see you this afternoon at 4.30 for that. And then also, uh, just as a way of keeping in with our Constitution and bylaws, we are uh, make, giving you a notice today that we will be having a business conference in two weeks. And so uh, the, one of the agenda, items on the agenda is in the bulletin. You can read that for yourself. But we'll do that at the end of service on the 30th. And last but not least, we're, this is the big fam fun day. This coming Saturday at, the, at Locust Park, Faith Alive Ministries is uh, putting this on as a way of uh, raising some funds, but also as a way of ministering to the community. Great ministry led by um, our own TJ and his wife, uh, Jordan. And uh, we're, we're excited about what they're going to be doing. Now, we've got two kickball teams in the tournament, I understand. One of them is an adult team, and uh, I'm going to show up for that one because I want to be able to pray with them before the ambulance gets there. Uh, they, I think they, they play at 1.30. Uh, and if, does anybody know what time the, the youth team plays? Anybody? Okay, not sure. But they start, I think, at 10 o'clock in the morning, and they're going to go like to 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, they're going to have food trucks and bounce houses and games. And the whole day is just a big, fun day for the family, just like the title says. So I hope that you'll uh, make the, take the opportunity to go and, and support this ministry and, uh, and, and encourage our kickball teams as we get a good kick out of them uh, trying to run the bases. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm looking forward to just watching the game. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, it be a lot of fun. Thank you for being here today. We want to take a moment to pray together, and then uh, we're going to invite Brandon, who's filling in for us today while Nancy's on vacation. We're going to ask him to come on up and lead us as we sing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for these lives that have been transformed and changed by the glorious grace of the gospel. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in the lives of these young men. We just pray, Lord, that you're going to use them in a mighty way in the days to come. We give you our time of worship. We pray, O oh God, that you just fill this place with your power and your presence. And that whatever it is, Lord, that we've come in here today seeking, that we will find it and we will find it in you. Because you are all sufficient for every need. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. Guide us in our time together is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
They see him here. They see him here. And they see him here. We know it because he said it. Jesus said, the world will see him when the world sees us. That's why together we do this. We give so that those who've not yet seen can see. It means something when the world sees how we give. It means something because we do not look the same. It means something because we do not sound the same. It means something because when we give, this is what the world sees. They see the gospel doing what the world cannot. They see the gospel making us one. And so we give. We give so that missionaries can go. We give so that churches can be started, hurts can be healed, and truth can be shared. We give so the world might see Jesus in us. United, United as one. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us, dear Lord. Dear Lord, uh, just uh, be with Tommy as he brings the message this morning. Uh, dear Lord, uh, just be with uh, two young men that uh, were just uh, baptized uh, as they uh, go, go on uh, out in the world and uh, uh, with their new born lives. Um, dear Lord, now we come to the part of the service, uh, uh, give just a small portion back to you uh, to further your kingdom. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand once more as we prepare our hearts and minds for the message to come.
Christ today. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you, Brandon, for leading us in music today. We appreciate that so much. And um, I was thinking of the first song that we sang in this series here that we we just sang together nothing can pluck you from God's hand I don't know what that means for you today but I know that for me today that is a great confidence builder that nothing can pluck me from the hand of God If you have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of Colossians chapter number 3? Next week, Brandon is going to be closing out the book of Colossians for us. And then we're going to be launching, on the 30th, we're going to be launching into a uh, series on the book of Micah. Uh, It's a book that we don't hear preached a lot but uh, has a great, significant message for us in our current culture. And so we're going to start on the end of this month and into next month working through the book of Micah, and uh, I know that you're going to be blessed by that. But today we are still in our um, Real Jesus series, and we are in chapter 3, and we've worked our way down to verse number 18, And so today we're going to work our way through verse 18 to the end of that chapter, which is verse number 25. And again, we're still looking at the difference Jesus makes, the difference he makes. So here's what the Bible says. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartedly, as for the Lord rather than men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for allowing us to have the honor and privilege of being in this house of worship today. Uh, Lord, we just pray that in these next few moments you'll give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. Lord, it's so easy for us to sit in a room like this, and as your word is being, as your word is being given, it's easy for us to think of others that this applies to. But here's the truth, Lord. We know that you gathered us here today because this applies to us. That it's something I need to hear. It's something that I need to understand. It's something that I need to work on. So, Lord, I thank you that while this word that you've given us today is for others, it's also for us. 
So we pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and minds to hear. May the Holy Spirit be able to work in and through us in these next few moments to encourage us in those areas where we need to be encouraged, to strengthen us in those areas where we're weak, to convict us in those areas of our life where we're walking contrary to your word. So, Lord, speak to us. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The believers in the city of Colossae were being bombarded with a false gospel. And this false gospel that they were being bombarded with were pointing them to a man-made version of Jesus. You see, it's, it's in man's nature to try, instead of seeking for us to become more like God, we want God to become more like us. Then it makes us feel better about ourselves. And much like today, some people want a false Jesus because a false Jesus will approve of their sinful lifestyle. Or a, or a false Jesus may be more interested in the agenda of the person rather than the agenda of God's kingdom. So Paul has been revealing to us throughout the book of Colossians. What does the real Jesus look like? Who is this one that is truly the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who died for our sins, was buried and resurrected on the third day? Who is that Jesus? Because that's the Jesus that we need. That's the Jesus that can save us. That's the Jesus that can put our lives back together. That's the Jesus that can save our marriages. That's the Jesus that can turn our our culture around. That's the Jesus we need. And so it's important that as Paul has walked us through these, these three chapters, he's been showing us what this real Jesus of the Bible looks like. And now we see in chapter 3, he's been sharing with us and helping us to understand how this real Jesus should make a, per, make a difference in a person's life. That if we know the real Jesus, there are certain things that ought to be different about us than from everyone else. There are certain things that the real Jesus does in our life that sets us apart, that makes us different, that identifies us with His kingdom over all other world religions and over all other religious activities. And so we've been looking through this book to understand who this real Jesus is. In chapter 3 so far, we have seeing that if we have a relationship with the real Jesus, that it's going to make a difference in our pursuits. We will, in our life, pursue the things that have eternal value and are not just earthly gain. If we have the real Jesus and a relationship with Him, then it's going to make a difference in our perspective. We talked about that. And what I mean by that is our new life in Christ now begins to dominate our view of the world. 
Our new life in Christ, that, that perspective is the lens through which we see the world, what, through which we see other people, which we see ourselves, which we see the culture around us. And, and that, that godly perspective is a worldview. And suddenly my relationship with Christ becomes that lens through which I see the world. That's my perspective. We said that, a, that having a relationship with the real Jesus should make a difference in our actions. In other words, now that we have been saved by grace, now that we have been forgiven of our sins, now that we have been born into the family of God, we now have within us the Holy Spirit of God that begins to reflect the character of Christ in us and through us. And then we said it should make a difference in our attitude. Everything that Jesus did, his attitude was about bringing glory to God. It was about exalting God the Father by pointing everyone to Him as, their, as our hope and as our help and as our creator, as the lover of our souls, as the one who can, who can put our lives in the right perspective and make us everything that He created us to be. But today, we're going to close out chapter 3 by noting two more differences. The first one is pretty obvious. It's that... If we're truly having a relationship with the real Jesus, it should make a difference in our families. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, and I confess this openly and transparently, I am the least qualified person to try to tell you what a perfect family looks like. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect husband. I wasn't a perfect son. I'm, 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 I'm just, I, I struggle just like you struggle. But there is in this passage a, a, a reflection of what a, a family should look like when they are in a relationship with the real Jesus. And there's no doubt about it. I think we've, we've talked a lot about this. One of the primary areas where Satan tries to destroy our lives is in our family relationships. There's nothing he wants to do more than to rip families apart. He loves to, to be able to drive the wedge in between that husband and that wife. He loves to be able to drive that wedge in between that mother and their children and that father and their children. He loves to destroy families because the family reflects the the, the, the ideal of God's kingdom. It, it reflects the, that we are a family as believers and God is our Father and we are filled with His Spirit and, and we are connected to each other by the blood of Christ. And so the family reflects the kingdom of God. And that's why Satan hates the family. From the fall of man, Satan has sought and often succeeded to divide the family. In fact, immediately after the, the fall of man in the book of, of Genesis, we read where Adam immediately began to blame everything that happened on, on his wife Eve. Well, it's that woman you gave me. Lord, I, I just, I, I had no, I had no, I had no, re, I, I just wasn't, go, I wasn't even thought of eating that fruit. But then here she come. And you know, you know, happy wife, happy life. And, and she gave it to me, so I had to eat it. And now, look, I'm in a mess now, but it's her fault. Immediately, division started. 
And if that's not enough, we don't get too far into the book of Genesis until we see brother rising up against brother and murdering him. In Cain, murdering Abel. Again, this immediately, soon as the, the, the sin enters into the world, soon as man falls into sin, Satan's first attack is tear this family apart. The family holds that special place in the heart of God. God often uses familial language to describe his relationship with all those who follow him. He calls us children. We call him father. The New Testament uses, again, that familial language concerning the, the way the church is, is related to each other and to the, and to the person of Jesus Christ. The, Jesus is called the groom and we're called the bride. Everything that God does when he's describing our relationship with each other and our relationship with him is cloaked in the language of the family. So family is important to God. God is showing us in these verses that a relationship with Jesus won't make our families perfect, but it should make them better. It should make them more godly. No, ladies, he does not begin, verse 18, saying that you are inferior to your husband. But he is pointing to the order that he has placed in the family. And that order that he has placed in the family is, is to reflect his relationship with believers. That as the wife is, is loving her husband, as she is following her husband, it's a picture of the church following Christ. It's a picture of the church loving Christ, who is the groom of the church. You, you show me a husband. And, and Paul had a lot more to say about all of this in Ephesians chapter 5. But I contend this morning, you show me a husband that will love his wife as Christ loves the church, and I'll show you a wife that has no problem walking beside that man wherever he goes. I, you show me a man that will love his wife sacrificially, that will love his wife unconditionally. You show me a man that will love his wife like that. I'll show you a wife that will walk with her husband to the end of the earth. Husbands, God's gifted you with a helpmate. He expects us to love our wives and to, he wants you to love her and lead her sacrificially and compassionately just as Christ loves and leads his bride, the church. That's what he's asking of you. Wives, he's, he's asking of you to follow that man who loves God and serves God and, and wants the glory of God in the family. He's asking you to walk with him and serve beside of him and, and to be a part of what that is being built through him. And husbands, he's asking you to rise up and love your family, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Christ was willing to die for the church. He was willing to lay down his life. He went through the horrors of that hell could throw at him as he was beaten and crucified. Why? Because he loved his bride. And he was willing to go through it. Children, God has gifted you with parents or guardians, and he's given them a task that's really hard. 
And that is to raise you in the fear and admonition of the Lord Jesus. And here's what he says to those children or us as children. He expects us to honor and obey their leading because if they're leading us to Christ and we're following them and we're obeying them, they're going to lead us closer to Jesus. Now, I get it. I, 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 can, I can hear what you may be thinking right now. You say, well, not every husband loves and leads his wife like Christ. Not every wife follows and respects her husband as as God desires for her to do so. Not every parent leads their child with love and compassion toward Jesus. And, and not every child submits to the authority of their parent or their guardian. I, I get that. I understand that we're broken people living in a broken world and broken bodies. And we have a sin nature that pulls us toward rebellion. However, the failure of our family members does not relieve us of our God-given responsibilities. Wife, if your husband's not leading you in the way that Christ leads the church, that doesn't relieve you of the responsibility to love him and to walk with him and lead him as by your witness and by your testimony to Christ. Husbands, if... If your wife is, is not walking with you, she's, she's against you, she's pulling against you, she doesn't, she doesn't want where God is leading your family, that doesn't relieve you of the responsibility to still love her as Christ loved the church. Children, maybe your parents aren't the godly parents that are leading you toward Christ. Maybe they're not doing the things that they're supposed to do, that is to glorify Christ in your family. But that doesn't relieve you of the responsibility to love and honor them. Our responsibility stays the same. Our life in Christ will enable us to love and encourage and guide even our most sinful family members. If we respond to a sinful family member in like manner, we fail to show them the difference that Jesus makes in somebody's life. And I would never, ever, 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 listen to what I'm saying, I would never advise anyone to remain under the hand of an abuser. God never intended for those who bear his image to be treated inhumanely. But if we're honest... If, if we're brutally honest, only a small number of families that will be destroyed this year will be on the base of abuse. Many will be because of sin that enters into the life of one or both or multiple members of that family that rips them apart. The real Jesus wants to make a real difference in your family. Husbands, only Jesus in you can love your wife the way she needs to be loved. Wives, only Jesus in you can, can walk with and respect your husband the way he is to be respected and walked with. Children, only Christ in your life can help you honor your mother and father in the way that they are to be honored 
You see, he makes the difference in us. He wants to transform you into a godly husband. He wants to transform you into a godly dad. He wants to transform you into a godly wife or a godly mom. He wants to transform you into a godly child. He wants to transform your life. And that's what Jesus does when he comes into our life. He makes a difference in our families. The families that love and, and, and follow the leadership of God are the families that can weather the hardest storms and the roughest weather they can walk through the deepest valleys together and they can uh, they can stand against the toughest foes together and come out on the other side glorifying the God who created them and the Christ who gave them the strength to get through it God wants to make a difference in families when we do pre-marriage counseling some of you in this room have gone through that. You know, we talk about that, that Jesus is that, that Jesus is that glue that holds the family together. You can put whatever you want to in the middle of that family and try to hold it together with it. But if it isn't Jesus, then it's compromised and its integrity is compromised. And, and when the storm gets to raging around you and when times get hard enough, that family will fall apart only Jesus can hold that family together so moms and dads he's telling us that if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ it should be reflected in in your family it should be reflected in your attitude in your actions and and what you do in your home with your family it should reflect that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ but now here's the one that I think we would struggle with the most. Having a relationship with Jesus should make a difference in our workplace. Now that's a tough one, isn't it? Because you'd back up and you say, time out. You don't know the, the people I work with. You just, you just don't. Man, they gossip all the time. They will stab you in the back in a heartbeat. You don't, you don't get it. They'll smile to your face and, 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 and bite you as soon as you turn around. I mean, you just don't understand the people I work with. Man, the language that they use and the things that they do in their spare time and the way they treat each other and the way they treat their families and, and the way they treat me and the way they talk about Jesus and blaspheme his name. You, you just don't understand the people I work with. You're right, I don't. I get to work with you. Now, none of you have done that to me, and I thank you for that. Now, don't, don't talk about me in the parking lot now, okay, just to prove me wrong. But here's what I do know. Jesus knows the people you work with. He's very aware of the people you have to put up with every day just to, to do your job. He's very aware of the the circumstances surrounding your employment he's very much aware of the atmosphere at your workplace he's very much aware but here's the beauty of everything that we're talking about here if we look all the way back into the book of genesis the bible tells us that work was intended to be part of man's worship to god i get it it don't always feel that way but it was intended to be part of our worship. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, the Bible says this. 
that the Lord God took the man, Adam, and he put him in the Garden of Eden. And here's what he told him, okay? Cultivate it and keep it. In other words, he, he put Adam in the garden. He said, now go to work. Tend the garden. Take care of the garden. Make sure the garden is taken care of. That's your job, Adam. You have a work to do, and it is part of your worship to me. It is a, a gift that God gave to Adam, and Adam was to use it to glorify God. Adam's job was to work in the garden as a means of service and worship to God. Being created in the image and the likeness of God, man has ingrained in every being a desire to be productive. Do you know God's a worker? Do you know He's always at work? He's always at work. We may not see Him working. We may not, we, we may not be able to trace what He's doing right now, but God's always at work. He's at work to bring lost people to Himself. He's at work to try to mend families back together. He's at work healing bodies. He's at work uh, helping people with addictions. Uh, he's, he's at work, always at work. God is a worker and you are created in His image. So it's ingrained in every part of us. That we work and be productive. Today, God's desire is for our workplace to be a place of worship. But don't miss what God's telling you here. Worship is an attitude. Worship is an attitude. He's showing us that a living, growing relationship with the real Jesus will help us work with an attitude of worship. In other words, he, listen, listen to what he, he says to us. Whatever you do, whatever you do. Now, that, that covers every line of, of occupation. It, it covers the, the, the grandest to the lowest. It covers the, the, the best paid to the worst paid. But he says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive your reward of an inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. I bet you didn't know this. Yeah, your, your paycheck may have a company name up in the corner. It may have a, a CFO or a CEO or a, a treasurer signature in the, in the corner when you get your paycheck or, or when it, whenever you get your W, your, your W-2, it, it may have a name and an address and an employer identification number. It may have all of that stuff on there. But at the, the, here's what, here's what God's saying. At the end of the day, you work for Him. You may draw a paycheck from them, but you work for Him. He is the one that receives the glory from your work. You see, here, here's, here's the problem we run into. Some Christians can be lazy workers. Can't we? Let's be honest. What, what can I, what's the least amount I can do and get by with it, not lose my job and still get paid? What's the least amount I can do? I want to do that. If we're not careful, what we're doing is our testimony is saying that as a believer, I have no greater work ethic because I have a relationship with Jesus than the lost person does. You see, that's why we are to work wholeheartedly because we're not working for that company. We're not working for that employer. We are working for God. 
And so he wants to make a, he wants to make a difference in our workplace. If the only goal of your work is to earn a paycheck and do as little as possible, you're missing the attitude of worship in your work. The attitude of worship says, I want the work I do and the attitude with which I do it to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. I want the work I do and the attitude with which I do it to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. Tommy, it's hard to glorify Jesus when I'm being cussed over and over again. I get it. Go back and read the Gospels. What did Jesus do when they were blaspheming him, slapping him, mocking him, plucking his beard? What did he do? He remained silent. You know why? Because as the Christ, he wasn't like them. So much so that even the Roman centurion who nailed him to the cross had to proclaim, surely, or no doubt, this man is the Son of God. How could he say that? Because he listened to what Jesus said. He watched the attitude through which Jesus did it. He was being tortured. He was being crucified. He was being, he was being mocked. He was being, uh, his r- flesh ripped up from his body. Everything about what was going on around him was unpleasant. And if anybody had a right to lash out, if anybody had a right to, to, to try to get even, if anybody had a right, Jesus did, don't you think? But the way that he marched to the cross... You see, he was doing it for the glory of the Father. And the Father was glorified through him. So much so that even a, a pagan centurion had to say, if, if there's such a thing as the Son of God, that's got to be it right there. Surely, truly, that is the Son of God. So it is with you and I in our workplace. We may have to endure many things. But at the end of the day, our attitude and our actions, wouldn't it be great if the the people who were mistreating you the most at the end of the day would have to look at each other and say, that person has to be a Christian. They have to be. Because they have displayed the character of Christ in their work. So I want to close with a couple of questions. The first one simply being, do the relationships in your family reflect the presence of Jesus? Husbands, how you treat your wife, does it reflect the attitude of Jesus? Does it reflect a relationship with him? Wives, in the way that you respond to your husband, the way you respond to your children, does, does it reflect a relationship with Jesus? Listen, Sons and daughters, does the way that you respond to your parents reflect a relationship with Jesus? Husbands, love your wife as Jesus loved the church. Wives, respect and follow your husband just as Christ expects the church to love and follow him. Children, obey and respect your parents in a way that honors Jesus. And lastly, my last question. Does your attitude and effort at work reflect worship?
Does it reflect a relationship with Jesus? Not just that you wear a Christian t-shirt with a saying on it. Not just that you wear a cross around your neck or not just that you may have a Bible sitting on the corner of your desk or not that you just have that fish sticker on the back of your car. But does your attitude, does, do your actions at work proclaim that I am a child of God and He has made a difference in my life and I am here to bring Him glory today? Whatever my task is, today I am here to bring Him glory. If not, Jesus wants to transform your life. He wants your family to be transformed. He wants your workplace to be transformed. In just a moment, we'll stand together. We'll sing together. This altar will be open if you feel led to come and, and pray. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm going to be right here at the front. I would love to be able to pray with you, pray for you. Today's a day for our families to get back on the right track. Today's a great day for us to determine, you know what, tomorrow... When I step into my, my workplace, I know what, oh, I just know the mess I'm going to have when I get there. I know the language I'm going to hear. I know, I, I just know what's going to be going on. I just know it. Oh, some of you have been sitting here dreading Monday the whole time you've been sitting in the pew. But can I tell you something? Instead of going to work tomorrow, go to worship. Go to worship instead. And bring glory to God in your work. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have a plan. We don't have to come up with our own plan. That you have a design and a desire for the life of your children. That, Lord, you want to transform each of us in such a way that the world can see the difference that you make in us. They see it in every arena of our life. Every area that they examine, they see the difference you make. And Lord, they're able to see the glory of God being promoted, being exalted, being proclaimed through us. Lord, that as their lives are mangled in sin that the lost will see the difference in us and that it will draw them not to us, but it will draw them to you because they want that transformation in their life too. Lord, use us to whet the appetite of those who are searching to have a relationship with the life-changing Christ. Lord, if there's one in this room right now that doesn't know you personally, how I pray that in these next few moments that they will understand that they will never be that husband, they'll never be that wife, they'll never be that son or daughter, they'll never be that employee or employer that you want them to be until they have a relationship with you. And Lord, may today be the day that they bring their life to you and lay it at your feet, surrendering all that they are and all they have to you. That you may birth into them that nature of God, that holy heart, that 
new life. A transformed heart that beats for your glory. That they may be able to walk out of here today saying, I'm, I can be a better dad. I can be a better husband. I can be a better mom or a better wife. I, I, I can be a better son or daughter. I can be a better employee because now Christ lives in me. Lord, if there's a believer in this room right now that maybe they're, they're not being the spouse that they should be. Maybe they're not being the, the son or daughter they should be. Maybe, maybe they're not being the employee or employer that they should be. How I pray, oh God, that right now in the stillness of this moment where they sit in that pew right now, that Lord, you will convict their hearts that they will know that this is your desire. This is your design for their life. And that, Lord, right now, right now, they'll run home to you knowing, Lord, that in making things right in their relationship with you, Lord Jesus, now they can fulfill their calling. So, Lord, in these next few moments, do in us what only you can do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.
Thank you so much. How old is mom today? 93. Miss Lois is 93. So happy birthday. That's awesome, girl. Yeah, and still cooking those big Sunday dinners every Sunday for her family. We want to end our service just a little differently today. Uh, one of our members of the military is getting ready to deploy and will have to be away from us for an extended period of time and away from his family, of course. And we just want to pray over him and pray for his safety, pray for his family. And so, uh, Dustin, I'm going to ask you if you'll come on up, buddy, you and your family. We want to pray over all of you guys. Uh, Dustin's going to be leaving this week and be gone for about 13 months. And so it's a long deployment, and uh, I know his family is going to miss him dearly, dearly, dearly. And uh, so we want to pray over him for protection, pray for his family to be protected, pray for them to have their needs met. Uh, We are here to minister to them in his absence, and uh, we want to be uh, their family uh, extended for those 13 months. So I want to invite anyone that would like to come on up and gather around this family to pray. You're welcome to do so. You can pray right where you are. Uh, the beautiful thing about God is that He hears our prayers no matter where we are. And um, But we want to be able to get, a, get around this family and just kind of pray for them. Uh, so I invite you to come on up, and if we, we can spread out or however you want to do it, just we'll get as many people up close as we can. Uh, we'll pray for Dustin, pray for Rachel, pray for Aubrey, pray for Grace, uh, that God is just going to do uh, a great thing in their life in these, these months that Dustin's away. So let's take a moment to pray, okay? Our Father and our God, what a beautiful family the Gats family is. Uh, we thank you for Dustin. We thank you for, his, we thank you for his loyalty to our country. We thank you for the service that he provides in helping provide protection and safety for all of us. And so, Lord, as he and all of those that are part of his unit are getting ready to deploy, God, we pray for them. We lift them before you, and we pray a hedge of protection around them. That, Lord, no matter where they go, whether it's in the states and training or whether it's overseas, Lord, wherever it is, that he may find himself in these 13 months, that, Lord, he will always be under your hedge of protection. We ask you just to bring him home safely to his family. Lord, we pray for Rachel and for Aubrey and for Grace because, Lord, we, we know that they're going to miss Dustin so, so desperately. But, Lord, we also know that during his absence from their presence that you'll be present with them. And we ask you, God, to watch over them, keep them safe, healthy, strong, that in Dustin's absence all will go well, that that it will be well with their home, well with their health, well with all things. Lord, use this church body to love on this family and to help them and to walk with them during this period of of absence when Dustin's gone. And Lord, I just pray that we'll all be able to celebrate in those 13 months when Dustin's able to come back home and be with his family. And Lord, we'll just all celebrate together the goodness that you have shown during that time. Lord, we know that you are sovereign, you are holy, you are good. And Lord, while we don't always understand why things happen, when they happen or how they happen, we know, Lord, that you are sovereign and you are good. 
So we pray for this family, Lord. We ask you to cover them with your presence and use us as their church family, their extended family, to be a blessing to them. Now, Lord, as we prepare to leave this place today, we want to lift to you one of our own, and that's Cindy. Lord, you know the, the, the struggle that she's in right now. And, Lord, we thank you that you are with her to strengthen her and encourage her. We pray for Joe as he walks with her, that, God, you'll just be with them in a special way. Lord, we, we just thank you for this church family. We thank you for the love that they show one another. We thank you for the love that they show to those outside of this church family. Help us, Lord, to be a lighthouse in a community of, for those who are struggling and hurting, that they will see your love and your grace and your mercy in us and that they will be drawn to you. Lord, dismiss us now with your love and your mercy. Keep each one safe as they travel home. And again, Lord, just bless this family. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And we are dismissed. Thank you for coming.